G'day everyone, and welcome to A Place to Call Home podcast. On today's episode, I'll be chatting with Jess Patterson. Now, Jess has a really cool story, and one I found really interesting. Her and her partner had a bit of a sea change during the COVID times and bought a rural property just outside of Brisbane. Now, while this isn't something that's different in today's modern age, there's a lot of people making the rural movement, which is awesome. But what I found interesting with her story was the way she's brought in this entrepreneurial mindset onto the property. Throughout the episode, you hear Jess and I talk about different ways that she's looking to make an income from the property. And a few of these aren't just ways that smaller, I suppose, more hobby farm type places that we talk about. Um, You know, these are things that people can do no matter where they are, whether it's looking at hip camps whether it's looking at a bit of agritourism or whether it's even looking to put a vineyard in. But I'll leave that just to say. Anyway, I hope you enjoy the episode. Chat to you soon. Thank you very much for joining us today, Jess, on the A Place to Call Home podcast. Before we get too far into it, can you tell me a bit more about yourself? Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks for having me, Sam. I'm excited to chat to you and give you a bit of background of my story. Um, so I'm Jess. I currently live in the little town of Kalani, which is in the Southern Downs in Queensland, living here with my partner, Tom, and our puppy, Indy. We just moved here in January, actually, um, from Brisbane, but we'd been kind of going back and forth part-time before that for about 18 months, so decided to make the big shift uh, a few months ago, and that's it. That is awesome. I like how the puppy gets an intro into the intro, so that is very cool. (laughs) (laughs) Part of the family. Um, Going back to the start, did you grow up on the land, or if you didn't, were you connected in any way? No, so I grew up very much in the inner city of Brisbane, like five kilometres from the CBD. Um, But I remember when I was like pretty little as a kid, I really wanted to be a farmer and I really enjoyed going out to visit our family friend's farm um, that their grandparents had. We got to, you know, ride quad bikes, ride horses. And I do recall wanting to be a farmer at that point. And then, I don't know, life kind of um happens along the way and you go in a different direction but now I've kind of looped back and living that childhood dream which is pretty cool something that's very important and a little bit lost these days where you know a couple of generations ago everyone had a cousin that was on a property or you spent your holidays out west and I think it's something that was so important to have that connection that city connection um, city and country connection. So it's awesome to hear that, that you spent your time out there and where it's gone to since. Um, so you've had a really interesting, I suppose, off-farm career or career. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, for sure. Um, so after uni, uh, where I did business management, I started working in consulting, which was mostly in tech strategy and implementation, just kind of ended up there. Um, and I did that for quite a few years. It was like an awesome place to start a career because it was super varied and I got to learn a lot. And after doing that for about, I think, uh, four or five years, I jumped out and did the startup thing for a little in the tech space, which, again, really enjoyed that. Um, Worked at, I want to say, two or three different startups. 
Um, but I found actually one of the things there was I missed the variety in consulting. I think I like to, you know, do something for a little bit and then like go find the next problem and jump into that and get deep into that. So I've ended up working um, now at the kind of perfect spot for me, which is uh, a venture studio. So it's kind of a cross between startups and consulting where we create a lot of startups. We tend to work on them for six months to a year and then we get to go and work on another one. So it's awesome. That is so cool. And you mentioned, I suppose, in our previous yarns that we had before this interview is that you focus a bit on the ag ag tech side of startups. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So um, I work for Dirt Lab specifically um, as part of Joseph Mark, and we focus on the future of food, the future of farming and supply chains. So really like the ag space, but we're also interested in, you know, how can we create thriving rural communities, not just thriving businesses. Um, So it's pretty cool to be able to work on that and then also work from home be on the farm and uh, walk outside and have a look at the cows. I'm very lucky in that sense. When did you first come to the decision, I suppose, that life on the land was for you? Like you've had this career in town um, and when did that change? change? Yeah, um, so it was kind of like a very quick decision. Um, I very much vaguely remember myself or Tom one night in the kitchen when we were living in Brisbane brought up you know oh we could go live in the country uh it was somewhat during COVID so I think we'd been having lockdowns I'd been working from home he was still actually in the office but um we brought it up and whoever brought it up the other one agreed immediately and kind of like I went then straight out jumped on realestate.com and started looking. Um, It took us a little like bit of time to find uh, the right fit for us. Um, We knew that we probably needed to still be like within reach of Brisbane um, just to visit family, friends. And occasionally I do need to go into the office for work. It's very rare once a quarter or so, but um, makes it a bit more accessible. So yeah, we kind of just came to a very quick, decision and jumped on it and about I think six months later bought this place and uh, we've been loving it ever since like wouldn't change it. Um, Funny the whole COVID story it's probably one element I want to touch on um, a bit more for the podcast because I I don't think you're alone when I've started this I've, I've kind of come past people reaching out they've kind of had similar journeys where they've kind of had that COVID's kind of driven them to realize there's more to life than just, I suppose, living inside a shoebox, sorry to say, but like, and, and they've kind of done this rural escape and it's awesome to see it. And I think it's, it's cool because it brings in a totally different dynamic to agriculture and a different angle and way of thinking. And I, and that's very much your story. So I suppose before we get too far ahead, how, how did you start that, I suppose, that journey towards land ownership? Like, did you do much off farm investing or real estate investing to work up to that? initial deposit for the place? Yeah. So um, about seven years ago now, I bought a property in Brisbane to live in. um, And it was kind of probably more at like the lower end of the real estate market. Um, So it was a great time to buy. And 
jumped on that, uh, lived in that, and then also rented out the other room there um, to cover, help cover the mortgage, essentially. And even after Tom moved in, we still had a housemate for, I don't know, like four plus years to help us cover the mortgage and kind of just give us like a bit of flexibility. Um, actually, having that like asset essentially gave us the ability to purchase this. So, um, I didn't really know much about it before we kind of started looking into things and talking to the bank and everything like that. And we did have a bit of a deposit saved, but um, equity is king when it comes to, you know, buying property. And we were able to leverage equity in house in Brisbane that had like grown in value essentially to um, be a guarantor on this place, which meant we actually were very lucky and we didn't need a deposit. So we were then able to use the money that we'd kind of put aside for that to invest in infrastructure here. Um, so yeah, that was kind of our journey into that. Um, we still have a portion of that property. We've managed, like we've sold a portion of it to like another family member, um, which has allowed us to then pay down some of this property. Um, but yeah, that kind of, we were able to leverage that really and jump into this. Yeah, that, that's interesting. Um, a couple of things. When you say about that portion, you've sold a portion to your family, is that just, and sorry, we, we don't have to dive too deep, but I think it's very interesting for people early on in this in this journey, like very much like that. So you just had, I suppose, is that uh, tenants in common or something like that that you did on the property? Yeah, yeah. So we've done tenants in common on that one um, and uh essentially at the moment it's not rented out um but we have it now actually so that it's kind of like two places within one and yep. so that if we want to and we're not utilizing it we can start potentially like airbnb it without affecting they can still come and go as they please but um we'll be able to hopefully make some income off off that as well yep so with that initial house purchase how how did those conversations go? Did you use, uh, I suppose, um, did you like? Did you have friends or family that went along looking for the right property with you? Did did you have did you have someone like a buyer's agency helping you with the purchase of that property? Um, in that case, it was my dad. He was very um, interested in property at the time, and so we went along to a lot of different house viewings and checked everything out we didn't use the buyer's agent or anything like that um but you know I was kind of very lucky to be guided by him um in the process and like he helped me work out what all the terminology meant and everything like that so yeah it was very fortunate that he wanted to help on that one that's awesome and once you're moving on to the property did you use any other, any other, I suppose, existing facilities, not just the bank? Or did you go to the bank or did you do someone like a Q rider or something like that to help with the purchase of that property? Um, in that case, we actually just went to a mortgage broker. So we approached them and kind of said, we're looking at properties. This is our budget that we want to look for. They actually gave us, you could be approved for much higher, but we didn't want to take that risk. Um, and they then kind of went through the process of collecting all our documents. They had a great online system and everything. And then 
found us a really good uh, mortgage rate, which we were lucky to get at the time um, and lucky to still be on when we we fixed it a few years ago and now it's still (laughs) nice and low. Um, Not looking forward to later this year, but um, we'll probably actually potentially go back to them again because they did a really good job in finding us an awesome rate and keen to, yeah, see if they can do that again soon. Interesting that you brought up about the mortgage broker. Um, I think it's something it'd be good to touch on. So how did those conversations go and why did you use a mortgage broker and not just go directly to the bank? We had had a few friends and family actually who had recently used mortgage brokers and found really good rates. So then I think we actually got a referral um, to kind of just test it out and I went to the mortgage broker and I also actually went to our existing bank um, and just working with the mortgage broker at that point in time when the banks were super busy with a lot of loans was a lot easier um, and it was a lot easier to kind of get traction and get things moving than actually dealing with the bank at that point in time. I think like as we go forward and, you know, this essentially for us is a property that we will look to leverage and kind of grow, we will start to hopefully make a relationship with our local banker um, and start building that because we recognise that there'll be probably more debt facilities that we'll be looking at. Um, But at the time when we were kind of shifting between the city and the country, uh, the mortgage broker worked really well. This season of A Place to Call Home podcast is sponsored by Roger Hill, who is a rural and regional property value based in North and Northwest Queensland. Roger is incredibly passionate about the Australian people, the bush, and keeping the next generation coming through. So be sure to get in touch. You can contact him on 0418200046. Thanks, Roger. You're a legend. Um, so talking about the property there, can you tell us a bit more about it? Like you said, you suppose jumped on realestate.com and started flicking through. Can you tell us a bit more, like once you found the property, um, you said you've also used a bit of that, uh, extra cash that you had to do a bit of infrastructure work on the property. Can you tell us a bit more about it? Mm. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'll also just touch on kind of like what we were looking for because we very much went into it. Um, knowing that we wanted to have a few different sources of income from the property. Um, We had done quite a bit of like camping and hip camp ourselves and seen farmers making good money off that. So we knew we wanted to have a place where we could uh, potentially like rent camp spots out, maybe build cabins in the future. So we were looking for properties that had some kind of – like unique feature nearby. So we've ended up with like nearby to a big waterfall that people come and visit and it's an attraction. And then we also were pretty keen on finding a property that had water on it because we know people kind of love to camp and visit a spot that had water. So we found um, this place kind of fit the bill because it's near to an attraction and then it also has a creek along one boundary. So that helped us choose it and make the decision. And then essentially we're going to be looking to do a whole bunch of different things on there. Um, So 
we are looking to uh, first of all start offering camping. So we'll be doing probably I think like eight spots is currently what I've just done the council application for. Um, and our goal is with that one for it to be able to cover potentially like half the mortgage um, based off we what we've seen a few other people in the area kind of make. Um, at the moment, we also then make a bit of money through adjustment. So being both of us completely from the city, we don't too, know too much so far about uh, cattle, but we're super keen to kind of learn and adjustment kind of fit the bill in that sense because we are able to make money in the meantime and learn off our very lovely neighbour who's willing to sit and listen to all my questions and answer them very patiently. Um, and then the final kind of piece that we're looking at at the moment um, in terms of a bit of a different thing is we're looking to put in a vineyard uh, later this year and hopefully then in a few years start making some wine. We're not too far from the main growing region in Queensland um, and we thought it could be something different that kind of attracts people both to our camping and potential Airbnbs or something like that in the future, but also uh, could be kind of like a little venture in itself, you know, with a um, cellar door or something, given that there's a few attractions around, it might be a nice spot. So we'll see how that one goes. It's very early stage. Um, we've ordered the vines and they're arriving in October. So we have many trestles to build between now and then. That is incredible, Jess. That, that's It's so cool hearing that you've got such a, I suppose, entrepreneurial mindset and just looking at different ways to make money from the property. Um, and especially like the agritourism, I think it's an awesome connection for that city-country connection to really, you know, teach and help with that, like where your food comes from, you know. And so it's awesome to hear that. So for I suppose for those that aren't aware, can you delve in a bit more about hip camps? How did you find out about it and, and what, what is hip camps essentially? Yeah, yeah. Um, we found out about it as campers. So it's essentially kind of like Airbnb, but for camping. So anyone can kind of list a spot that they have um, and then have anyone come and camp on their land. Um, it's really cool in that for like, from a camping perspective, you get beautiful places that you don't often have access to. Who wants to really camp beside 50 other people in a small caravan park when you can go and camp along like the creek or up on a ridge line somewhere and have stunning views? So we um, discovered it that way. And yeah, we've then just been going through the process of doing the council application for our area, which is a little um, arduous, but uh, we're getting there and hopefully we'll be making some money off that one soon. So you mentioned that like when it came to looking at the property, you, you wanted something next to a bit of a landmark and you wanted water and stuff like that to camp to. What other things do you have to do to prepare a site for hip camp? Yeah, so... Um, for us, we're actually going first up, like straight off with self-contained camping. So you don't need to provide a bathroom or anything like that. Um, we're just going to be putting a few rocks down for a fire pit. So we wanted to go very first with like a super low investment version. Um, 
and try and see are these self-contained campers interested in the area um, and will they come along? So basically it's just a bit of slashing that we're doing <laughs> to prepare for that. Um, and then our plan is uh, that if that kind of goes well, we might look at putting like a bathroom facility um, nearby to some of the spots so that we kind of open up the market a bit more and attract those people who don't have like the camper trailer with everything inside it. But we'll see kind of how that goes. We we try to take an approach of like, let's do the smallest investment possible first and see how it goes. And then um, if it goes well, we'll invest some more money in it. I think another factor of your story that's quite interesting too is, is that, you know, you're both still working full time, um, you know, to helping to pay off the property and, and build obviously your asset and grow. But like it was interesting hearing that, you know, just so you're not overcommitted and you can learn a bit from neighbours about, you know, you're adjusting property out to some grazing. So um, how did that come about? Did that did you just see the local a- agent, like, you know, the livestock agent and mention that you're you doing or was that just like talking to your neighbours or how did that putting on adjustment first start? Yeah, so that actually came from the real estate agent who sold us the property. He referred us to... Um, our neighbor who lives down the road and said, if you ever want to have cattle, you know, talk to this bloke. Um, it took like, we had the property for a few months and then we gave our neighbor a call essentially. Um, and we kind of worked with him initially. Um, it was like two very big paddocks or like one paddock and the rest of the place. Um so we kind of spoke to him about what might work and we actually then invested a little ourselves and did uh, some fencing um, to create one paddock and split it in half and put some water sources in and everything like that. And then he brought some cattle on that was going well. So we actually then decided, um, cool, we quite like this. Uh, there's this whole other spot right next to here. It will be perfect. Let's build another paddock. Um, so we worked, we kind of spoke to him about where we wanted to put that paddock and made sure, you know, is the grass right here and everything like that. Um, and we have just finished that and the cows moved into that for the first time this week, which was super exciting. And now I'm already planning, okay, what can we do next? Um, to, to, you know, give the cows some more opportunity and um, get us through the winter eventually. Um, but I'm also at this point a bit over fencing, so I'm thinking I might just go something temporary electric for that one, but we'll see. Uh, you haven't caught the bug yet. You haven't bought your own cows yet. So I think uh, on episode one, I was chatting to Tom and he said, you know, when he first started out, he bought one mob and then he couldn't stop. So once you get that bug, it, it, you, you won't, it's hard to get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> um that's, it's fascinating and it's awesome to hear that you've just gone out had a crack and, and, just, and just trying all these different things um who was telling you about the vineyard was that something that you were focusing on initially or was this something that the area that they kind of came towards you with the idea or um I think it more came from we like wine um and so you know often when like friends and family visit um we do drive across to Sandthorpe and have a look at the wineries enjoy that experience and then actually my dad kind of um 
he is like about he's semi-retired let's say um and so he was quite interested in it and started researching it actually and then kind of came to us and said you're actually in a great elevation and rainfall area you know if you wanted to plant a vineyard and I'd be keen to kind of uh have the produce from that (laughs) in the future so um we kind of then after that initial uh look into it we actually got a I want to say a viticulturalist um, out to have a look at a few spots that we were looking at planting initially. And he kind of walked around with us. Um, We've chosen a site and he's kind of guided us on, you know, all the preparation that we need to do to essentially plant that. And then what we've done as well is um, found a few people in the area um, who are also growing grapes. So everyone one of the things that some people say is you can't grow grapes outside of Stanthorpe. Um, but we found two other small vineyards, um, one near Tani Morel here and one near Warwick. And they've been super helpful in sharing all their knowledge and have invited us to like multiple things to learn. And they're looking to even maybe sell us some grapes in the future so we can start making wine earlier. Um, so yeah, everyone's been super helpful once you kind of, in that case, like one of the people we actually just knocked on their door um, and went in and said, hey, you've got a vineyard out here. We'd love to chat to you about it. And the other one came through a connection. So it's been awesome. Uh, the person who told you about you can only grow grapes in Stanthorpe hasn't heard about the Huon and Grape Farm. So I think you need to remind them that we can grow grapes up here. North Queensland is what place to be. Um Touching on that, I think, sorry, I just I throw that one in just to remind people how good it is up here. It's just, it's just, <laughs> um, touching on one of those points about how open agriculture is, like you just said you knocked on your neighbours and just said you have a vineyard, you grow grapes. Have you found that really accommodating in this industry, like coming into agriculture fresh? Has it has you know everyone been willing to help you out, like you've just been asking questions and it's been really good and accepting? Yeah, definitely. It's it's kind of weird coming from the city. Um, sometimes, you know, everyone's so willing to give their time and so helpful and willing to connect you with the right person if it's not them. I've actually weirdly also found that in my work coming into like launching um, Dirt Lab, the agricultural space is just so friendly and welcoming and willing to give you their time essentially to ask as many questions as you want which you don't find as much in other industries and it's I was actually reflecting with it on a uh with a colleague sorry um the other day on it and we were both like it's so refreshing it's so nice it gives us so much energy like we definitely want to keep working in this space so yeah it's awesome I love it it is a great space i uh, I love agriculture. I love I love working in this industry, and I think that is one of the key things. Like you can ask for help, and there's always someone willing to help you. And you know, it's always very much it's it's rides a lot of your reputation too, and and the handshake. Like you know, as long as you do the right thing and you treat people well, and, and you know, like people are willing to help you out, offer advice and guidance, and it's so incredible and so so fortunate to be in an in industry like this. And I think it's awesome to see someone like you 
coming in fresh, you know, coming across that city country, coming in and having that same experience. And I reckon it's awesome to hear. Yeah. Um, Jess, I suppose shifting gears a bit, there's so many different schools I reckon around these days. Have you done any that really stand out to you that's helped you along so far? Uh, we haven't done any schools yet, but I think we may look into doing something this year or next um, as we actually prepare to potentially have our own herd of cattle. Um, but I've been to quite a few conferences um, and seen some really interesting people talk. And what I've kind of done is often like follow them on their various social channels and get their kind of continued insight. But then, you know, by following them, I find people that they also recommend and have been able to get, you know, more insight through those people. So that's been working so far. Um, but yeah, I think we will look to do something uh, later this year, potentially. Um, I also just find like field days um, and the conferences super helpful as well. Yeah. And Along the same lines, mentors play such a big part in people's journey. Have you had any in your journey so far since owning the property? Yeah, I think I'd say like our neighbour that we are just from has been um, a really good mentor uh, so far. We've been lucky that the real estate agent in that case kind of introduced us because I don't know that we would necessarily have come across him otherwise. Um, and then, yeah, it's everyone's just been super generous with their time. I'm lucky as well. Um, through my work, my boss actually runs uh, a farm and is like a first generation farmer as well. And so he's always been great with giving me advice and also uh, telling me what they did wrong in the past um, <laughs> as first gen farmers as well. So it's been good in that sense. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. Sometimes it's a bit hard to, uh, I suppose, tell people about your losses or your failures. Sometimes it gets a bit embarrassing. So that's good to hear that she's been sharing that one. Um, lastly, what is your one piece of advice you wish you had at the start of the journey? I think, like, I didn't know this and I don't think a lot of people do, but, like, equity is so important and the banks love it when you want to be looking to do something, they value it really highly. So if you can start building it um, early, there's a whole bunch of different ways you can do that. Obviously, getting into property, whether it's like an investment property or something that you're going to live in. Or the other option is always, um, you know, if you're working in the family farm or for a farming business or like currently um, in Dirt Lab, we often employ this model, but, you know, taking a slight salary reduction um, on what you might have otherwise been paid and earning the rest as shares either in the farming land asset or the operating business can be a really good way to kind of start building that without having to have, um, you know, a large deposit behind you. And once you have that equity, you can leverage it and keep growing essentially. Yeah, that's some gold. That's some gold there jess thank you very much um thank you very much for your time this afternoon it's been a cracking yarn and i'm really keen to see how this goes yeah awesome thank you sam it's been fun thanks jess cheers well i hope you enjoyed today's episode 
I thoroughly did. It was a great conversation, something a little bit different. Um, If you have been enjoying the season so far, please share it with friends and family. It's the best way to get the word out there about what we're doing. And hopefully people can learn a bit and maybe have a bit of a sea change even. Now, for today's quote, I want to leave you with one from Colleen Hoover. And it says, keep an open mind. It's the only way to get new things in. Cheers.